Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys and how they got to Northwest. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Assistant Director of Career Services. And today we are joined by Dr. Peter Adam, who is an Assistant Professor in the Northwest Department of Natural Services. Hi, Dr. Adam. Sciences. Sciences. What did I say? <laughs> services. <laughs> services. Okay. Well, natural services, sciences. We're here to serve. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. I was doing so well with titles, too. I had to end sometime, so. Uh, no worries. <laughs> um, Dr. Adam, so can you tell us, Department of Natural Sciences is pretty vague. What courses do you teach? Uh, so, yeah, the Department of Natural Sciences includes biology, but also chemistry and geology and physics. Um, and I'm in the biology discipline within the department. And in terms of what I normally teach, uh, I usually do the general zoology uh, and anatomy-based courses, uh, specifically the ones dealing with animal anatomy and, and animal physiology. Where did you get your PhD? Uh, my PhD is from UCLA. Um, I'm actually originally Canadian, though, uh, but moved to California for both my master's and PhD. Ooh, this will be fun. Where <laughs> in Canada? Uh, Calgary, uh, which is a town just north of Montana. Oh, all right. So, all right. Let's back up to the life of young Peter Adam. What was your first job? Uh, my first job was working in the Canadian equivalent of a 7-Eleven uh, in a Max store. Uh, so it's Max Milk, and essentially I work graveyard shifts while going to school. Like That's, the checker outer person? Is that bet. what you did? Yep. But also the guy who poured the slush cats or Slurpees <laughs> or whatever you call them here. So when you were doing that job or when you were young and you were going for your undergrad degree, where did you get that at? Uh, my undergraduate degree from was from the University of Calgary, uh, where actually both my parents were professors. Um, my mother taught psychology there, and my father taught chemistry there. Oh, and what is your undergraduate degree in? Uh, specifically zoology. All right, so then did you work while you were in college? I did. Uh, at I the same place? or? Uh, no, I had a number of jobs when I was uh, an undergrad. Uh, I actually first started out driving a truck for the school. What kind of truck? It's a, essentially a 12-foot van uh, that we'd load up with stuff, and I'd take it back and forth across the country, so managed to see a lot of Canada that way. That's um, a big country to drive across <laughs> as well. It is. It is. I just make deliveries between schools, so uh, loan specimens, that kind of thing. Was it like a system, like the, the University of Calgary? Was it like a school system, or how does that work? Actually, no. I was paid out of the back pocket of, of some guy who uh, sort of ran the finances for the biology department whenever he needed something, which was all the time. Uh, essentially, he'd pay me to deliver stuff uh, and pay me pretty well. So. so what other kinds of jobs did you have? Uh, I also worked in the Museum of Zoology in the department, where I got to prepare skeletons. So an elephant would die, for example, at the zoo, and uh, I'd sit there hacking off the flesh and eventually get down to the bones. Oh, this is amazing. So yeah, talk to me about how you actually prepare a skeleton. Uh, well, uh, a lot of it is essentially just getting off the soft tissue, and then uh, we have what's called a, a bug box, which is... Like on bones, right? Where they, they put the pieces in the box and yep. the bugs eat the flesh off? Yep, that's that's me. Uh, three, <laughs> three years of my undergrad. So you do that with elephant bones? Uh, yeah, we actually had a bug room. Uh, so it was actually a room that was taped off so that the bugs couldn't escape. And uh, that way we could put pretty big stuff in there. 
I'm I'm in awe right now. Let's just say that. Like I had to take a big pause about the bug room. You may have just changed my whole my whole thought life. So these are all like biology related jobs. These are biology related jobs, and it's sort of what I did, uh, especially in the summer throughout the school year. Though I also was actually an accountant for PetroCanada, uh, which is a big gasoline company down there, and uh, I was actually a forensic person. So I'd actually go into some of the retail outlets and ax people and because they were laundering money because they were taking money or they were short on their how uh, did you get a job as an accountant uh i'm good with numbers and just i started out working as a cashier but they quickly moved me up to bookkeeper and then finally accountant that is an interesting path as yeah, well. those are an interesting combination of you know biology for educational background but then accounting for part-time work that's that's yeah. pretty powerful actually like that's a <laughs> deadly combination how did you get to UCLA? So you graduated? So uh, once once you get your bachelor's and you want to move on to the next step, if the next step is doing a project and getting a master's or a PhD, usually what you want to do is find somebody who essentially works in an area that you're interested in. And so I was interested in marine mammals and anatomy uh, and looked up who was doing what and found somebody in San Diego named Danalisa Berta to work under. And then from there, uh, developed a relationship with my advisor in, at UCLA, who was Blair Van Valkenburg. And she studied fossils, but was interested in how you can interpret behavior and those kinds of things from anatomy. So uh, I went under her, essentially study marine mammals, although she normally works on dogs and cats and that kind of thing. So I have an interesting question here. So I was working with a student, probably in your class. This student is you know, going to be a senior, going to graduate and is, you know, kind of a biology major wanting to reach out to areas of area, areas where they have research interests. So what do you recommend if I'm like a junior or senior biology major and I'm starting to look at labs that I might want to work under? How do I reach out to those professors and how do I, how can I be successful in, in figuring out where I'm going to go after that? Uh, well, if it's specifically grad school that you want to do, uh, what you need to do is find the people that are doing that actively and who work at a university so could actually take grad students on. And what you want to do is read their research and f figure out what they do and essentially find out whether or not that is actually what you want uh, and follow through from there. So communicate with them, tell them that you're interested in their research, but also ask, you know, do you have room in your lab? Do you have any funded projects or do you have any projects in mind that you could use some help with? Uh, and essentially try to broach the conversation that way. Uh, you certainly don't want to, however, go up to somebody and say, I know nothing about you other than you work sh with, with you know, sharks. Can I work with you? Because they're probably going to say no. You want to educate yourself a bit about I get 100 emails like that a day, right, that yeah. people want to work with me. So what makes you different, right? Yeah. Yeah. So to do research, they need to do research. So that makes sense that if they want to they wanna do research work, they need to do some research on the type of research that's being done. That I mean, that logically makes sense to me, but I can see a lot of students being like, well, that's a lot of work. Yeah, uh, but that's typically how you want to do it. Uh, you can apply to a school and get into a graduate program, uh, but what's going to happen is essentially you're going to cycle around different labs and finally wind up in one that you may or may not enjoy working in. And you also typically waste a full year sort of making the rounds. And, to and me, that's, that's a year of not doing research you want to do. Exactly, right? yep. What types of undergraduate research experiences can a student get on campus here? Maybe if I'm a zoology major. 
we've had a number of people come through our labs and do stuff uh, right now. Uh, I have one student who's working on shark teeth and looking at the serrations, trying to figure out which teeth cut better in, in uh, one type of shark versus another according to the type of prey that they take. Uh, I have another student who's looking at different types of coral and the effects of light on their physiology. Uh, another student is actually working on microbes. This is my first time with microbes, but they're developing an, ex an experiment that I can use in uh, an evolution class, essentially look at how quickly microbes adapt for different antibiotics. Um, so th there are lots of things that, that you can do. I'll mention that all of these things were very kindly supported by uh, Dean Steiner uh, of the College of Arts <laughs> and Sciences. Uh, you can apply for a research grant as an undergraduate and get up to about a, a grand worth of you know, support in terms of equipment and stuff. And that's, that's great. It's something that Northwest has that a lot of schools don't. Yeah, that is great. How do I, if I'm a student and I have some ideas, do I just come to you? How, what's the first step that I could take if I am interested or have an idea of what I want to do for some research? Uh, so if, if you're a Northwest student, you probably have an idea of which professors that, that you might want to work with. I would say just don't be shy and go up to them and see whether or not they have uh, any kind of opportunity or space that you could work out an experiment. Uh, see if they have any experiments of their own if you don't have any ideas. Uh, but don't be shy about taking the golden ring, as it were. <laughs> did you do undergraduate research projects at Calgary? Uh, I did. I actually, we, we were required to do a, a full year thesis. Uh, so wow, I, even at a bachelor's degree level? Uh, yeah, it's more the European system. I gotcha. Yeah, so I see. I actually had to spend a year at the zoo filming sloths and seeing how they climb under trees uh, and how they essentially navigate different size branches and tried to put that together with some anatomy to try to understand essentially how sloth locomotion works. Did you set up that project yourself or was one of your professors working on something similar? Uh, at that time I was still working in uh, the museum and so I knew that we had five sloth car carcasses that nobody had ever dissected and uh, essentially developed the project around the, the stuff that we had. So one of the things that, that I know I, I've gotten a lot of questions about is we have marine biology here at Northwest, but we are a landlocked school. So how do, we, how, do, how do students navigate that? How does that work here when we're in the great Midwest where there's really not water anywhere nearby? Right. Oceans, anyway. Lake Mizingo. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, the, the truth of the matter is, is that if you actually have a look at marine biology, even when it's offered at, at a place like San Diego or Los Angeles, uh, usually they'll have uh, courses that you take during the regular semester that are all lab-based, and then you typically have to take a field course where you go out on boats for extended periods of time and stuff like that. And we actually do the same kind of thing. Uh, what we do, though, is we offer our courses through a field station run by the University of Southern Mississippi called the Gulf Coast Research Lab, uh, and they offer courses that we require for the degree. So every marine biology student essentially has to spend two months at this field station going out on boats and actually learning how to collect fish or invertebrates and identify them and all that kind of stuff uh, down in the, in, in the Gulf Coast. And there are scientists doing research projects down there and the students work with these researchers? Yeah. Am I correct yeah. in that? Yeah. So there's actually a, a, a whole bunch of professors that come in and, and just teach during the summer. Some of them are actually members of the University of Southern Mississippi. Um, I go down there and actually teach marine mammals every July. Um, so it's a lot of fun, but it's, it's a good experience for the students getting out there on boats and essentially learning the hands-on techniques, which is really the emphasis of the field course. Let's go back to your master's degree slash PhD. So did you go into 
your master's degree knowing that you wanted to do also a PhD? Uh, I had a pretty good idea that I wanted a PhD. Your parents were both professors, right? Did they have PhDs? In they to were. Teach? Okay. Yep. So, you know, you already knew kind of like the life of uh, how to well, get a PhD, right? That's actually another story. I'm actually a high school <laughs> dropout um, and went back and got my GED um, and went back to school after I got stabbed, actually, um, in a foiled robbery and decided that I really didn't want to work sort of. But you, so, okay, so you came um, and you had an idea that you wanted to do your PhD maybe because of the lab and you really enjoyed the work that was going on in, in the lab there at UCLA? Yep. Essentially, I wanted to do w with marine mammals what they had done with some terrestrial carnivores. And so uh, it was a good match, even though my advisor wasn't necessarily into marine mammals. Uh, at least she had a good idea of sort of the method methodology and stuff. What was your actual like PhD thesis or your dissertation? Uh, so for my PhD, um, we actually had to do three different chapters on three different topics. Um, one of my chapters was on the asymmetry of toothed whale skulls uh, because they have uh, essentially a nostril apparatus that's set up to make echolocation calls uh, that they send out and then receive through their lower jawbone to see what's out there in the water uh, using acoustic signals. Uh, in any case, I went back and had a look at the asymmetry of modern uh, toothed whales as well as a bunch of fossils to try to figure out where some of the changes occurred in terms of the anatomy of, of the echolocation system. Um, I then had a second chapter, which was pretty boring, but pretty <laughs> important, uh, which was essentially how you can estimate body size based on fragments of, of the skeleton. Uh, nobody had really done it before, so we didn't have a good idea of, you know, um, and this was in the same toothed whale, right? Sphere? Uh, actually, I did it for all marine mammals. Okay. All um, right. So seals and sea lions as well. But just body size has a lot of correlations with a lot of different life history traits. So it's important that you're able to predict body size in fossils. Uh, and then the third chapter was essentially on uh, how body size is correlated with prey size or diet size. And so I took lists of fish that all these different whales eat essentially figured out what sizes they'd be and tried to, to tried to find correlates between the two so that we could predict essentially what fossil whales ate in the past. If anybody was ever curious about how that, that kind of knowledge ended up in the world, there <laughs> it is right there, right? Yep. A lot of math. <laughs> so how did you go from, from California to Maryville, Missouri? That seemed, that's, that's, a, that's a journey, how I'm How did sure, you get so. here? Uh, actually, well, I grew up sort of in the Midwest of Canada, and California was okay for a time, but I didn't really want to live there forever. Uh, wanted to get back to the Midwest and sort of applied to a number of jobs and got accepted at a few. In the end, in the end, I like Northwest the best just for teaching quality and uh, sort of the setup. And how long have you been here? Uh, this is year eleven. Wow, year eleven. I know you mentioned some student projects and you mentioned some classes that you teach. What types of things? Obviously, anatomy is kind of your passion, right? What types of things do um, you see going on in the natural sciences department, maybe specifically in your area, um, like right now? Well, we have a lot of new faculty who are very interested in wildlife biology and, and um, essentially getting our students out there and uh, working in the field, which is great. That includes uh, some new people who uh, work the plant side of things and uh, are trying to develop essentially a, a opportunity for Northwest to advertise that, you know, we specialize in this part of the Midwest. 
uh, because no other school has really claimed that. Uh, so they're trying to essentially develop a, a, a essentially bluegrass prairie kind of group within the department. Um, and we'd be the only one in North America. Oh, uh, wow. Um, so that that's one opportunity. Uh, we're trying to establish better links with Missouri Department of Conservation and essentially get them interested in allowing us to do water quality sampling and that kind of thing. But again, a lot of field t types of things and hands-on things, which a lot of other schools don't typically do. They typically have like a lecture class and then like a lab class, right? As opposed to like incorporating those those actual hands-on, like outside of the lab type experiences into, right. right, the coursework. Yeah, so we're trying to essentially get our students out a little, a little bit more than our competitors, as it were. That's always a good thing. That hands-on experience is always super helpful. I would think sciences and biology specifically, like you probably have your majors who are super invested and interested in what's going on, but then you have a whole lot of Northwest students who they have to do their, their gin biology class and they, they, they struggle with it. They find it hard. What, what, what's something like, what's some advice you give those students who are maybe in those classes and science isn't their natural skill you know how do how do they be successful in those areas well gen bio is is one of those entities that just i think is always going to scare a lot of students it's it's a lot of big words and unfortunately the, the thing about biology is a lot of the words are derived from latin and greek and if you spend enough time in the discipline you get to learn those names and they sort of become second nature uh when you're only taking an introductory course and that's it all they are is big words weird names yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think anything in biology is really all that difficult. Uh, it's just that if you leave it to last minute, you're always going to suffer. And so just in this kind of course, it's, it's not the kind of thing that you can procrastinate with. It's something that you need to essentially sit back every day after a lecture, look over your notes, understand what you don't get, and make your flashcards then and there, and you know work at it over the long term rather than the, the night before. I always thought of it as it's a language of its own. So like when you're walking from the union to Garrett Strong, if you're a biology major, you're looking at the trees, you're looking at the squirrels, you're not just walking blindly to Garrett Strong, right? Like you're always kind of involved and kind of saturated with those natural things, I guess. I never actually saw it as, I never thought biology was hard because biology is all around you all the time. <laughs> if you just look at it. Well, I would think for those students, don't be afraid to ask for help would be, you know, there are people that, that it's not difficult. It's second nature. So if you're not one of those people, find someone that is, whether that's a professor or a classmate or someone in the student success center and ask for help. Like it's amazing how much help you can get when you ask for it. Right. Yeah. And especially for gen bio, there's a lot of help available. They have, I think two SIs de dedicated towards the course. They have tutors galore. And then of course, yeah, there's always just go and talk to your teacher and, uh, the teachers that teach that course are very approachable. So if you're scared of them, they're nothing like me. You can go and see them and they won't scare you off. That's a good entryway though. Um, so you teach Genzo and I used to be the sort of program manager for the SI program here. Mm -hmm. And so talk to me about Genzo has an SI leader, right? Talk yep. to me from the faculty perspective. What is an SI leader, which stands for supplemental instruction leader? What do they have to offer for your class? Uh, so the SI is essentially a, a person who has taken the course, has gotten an A, and essentially agrees to work for the Student Success Center in representing material to students who are interested in attending SI sessions. And what their task is more or less to get exercise together, 
uh, help students make meaningful flashcards, uh, provide sample questions that they can work through them, uh, and essentially present the material in a way that's different than the typical lecture. Uh, and a way that's different from the instructor, essentially, number one, to double up on the information, but also to see whether or not they can get the points across that perhaps the professor didn't. My SI, Miley Johnson, is great. She has been doing it for several years and has got it down to, you know, a game uh, where essentially the students enjoy the sessions and get a lot out, out of the experience. The thing with SI, though, is it's, not, again, not a thing that you can go to one SI session and expect to learn four weeks worth of material. It, it has to be something that you're sort of committed to along the way. Is there something in particular in Jinzo that students have a hard time with, or are there, there are things that students struggle with more than others? General zoology is notorious, more or less, because of a lot of big words. Um, it's one of the first introductions to the amount of big words that you can get in a course. And it's not really the depth of the material that's difficult, it's more just the amount. And I think that a lot of students, as they come up on their first or second exam, don't realize how much there is. And then when they do leave it for the Saturday or the Sunday before... You just can't cram it all in to one day. Yeah, you can't do it. Um, so you have to be working ahead of time. And I, I try to sort of encourage that behavior and a lot of them way down the line when, you know, they're in fourth year, they're like, yeah, I learned how to study in your class. <laughs> and, you know, that that's the reward for me, but I'm certainly not going to hear it from any of my current students. <laughs> what are some of the careers? So students who want to study biology and zoology, what are some of the careers other than academia and lab work? What are some of the things they can do with that degree? Yeah, certainly if, if you want to go academics and, and teach that, that's one way that you can go. Uh, but you can work for private industry doing environmental impacts. Um, you can work for the government, uh, essentially navigating or, or essentially uh, managing uh, a reserve or something like that. Uh, you can work in a lab uh, where, you know, you, you get the pea specimens and the poop specimens and have to go through and, you know, find, find out what's invading somebody's body. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, th there's a plethora of jobs out there. And once you get a bachelor's, then really what it indicates is that you have some basic biology and that you're trainable. So pretty much anyone who has a bachelor's can apply for a lot of these uh, uh, jobs. It's just a matter of just making sure that you have the right knowledge so you can actually go back to school once you get your degree and take a course in something that uh, will lead you down a different path in biology. I think another key thing, a lot of students who aren't biology or, or chemistry majors is that those types of natural science majors for like lab equipment, for like microscopes, those are real technical skills. Mm -hmm. Like you have to know how to use a microscope and it takes practice. Um, gel, electrophoresis, all these fancy, you know, scanning electron microscopy, all these fancy things are really technical skills. You have to learn how to prepare samples and how to analyze things. Yep. And those are actual technical skills that students take away from the program. Yeah, like th there is a move in biology, for example, to turn everything online or, you know, turn all the slides into pictures and, and just do that. The problem is, is though that when you get out in the real world, your specimens aren't going to come to you as a picture. You're it's still going to get a jar of pee in the mail. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you have to learn how to use the microscope and essentially do the, the process of making slides and, and all that kind of stuff. So we try to keep up with that as much as possible. Do you have any other tips or tricks or words of wisdom for students or maybe someone who's looking to start their career in, in a biological type of environment? In terms of, of just studying, make sure making sure that you're on the ball and doing things ahead of time is probably number one. 
Um, no matter what you're doing in biology, though, it's always based on Latin and Greek. And I learned very late in my bachelor's degree that there was such a course as med term, but that's where you learn a lot of prefixes and suffixes and that kind of thing. Uh, so that's a valuable course that you can take in your first or second year that will very likely help you in your third and fourth year. So if you can take that one early, I'd suggest it. Uh, similarly, if you can do your math early and your English writing early, uh, there's lots of writing. Those will help you going forward, right? I also know you are the, I might butcher this, but volunteer coordinator for Missouri Hope. Is that your title? You you kind of round up the people who are victims, right? I, I, I the victim am, volunteer <laughs> I, coordinator. I, yeah, that's pretty much my role. Uh, <laughs> so what do you do for that? So uh, yeah, Missouri Hope is something that we hold in typically the first or second week of October. And it's a mass disaster exercise essentially to give practice to local firefighters and police and other agencies uh, a scenario that they can practice where there's essentially more victims than there are helpers. And we also bring in from other uh, universities, essentially students that are trying to learn the ropes in terms of uh, mass disasters. And so my role is essentially to provide the victims and uh, essentially have them outnumber the, the number of rescuers. So over Missouri Hope Weekend, I typically get about 600 uh, individuals who volunteer for typically about five or six hours each to be gored up with various wounds and go out into the field and play like they're hurt or don't speak English or uh, have other ailments. And essentially the, the people who are rescuing them have to go down into the field and evacuate them to a hospital and run through the scenario. And uh, we tr try to provide them with accurate injuries, but also some problem cases. And essentially my role is to bring all that together. That's incredible. What types of different, I know you say mass disaster, but like what types of different scenarios have you worked with, for example? Uh, so in, in terms of what Missouri Hope normally does, it's a tornado because we try to practice what might actually occur here. Um, but we also involve water, so flooding and that kind of thing. And we've also done scenarios where it's, where, where the scenario essentially is, is in another uh, sort of first world country. Uh, where there's very little medicine, nobody speaks the language, there are religious problems going on and, and things like that. But we've only really tried that one once. I also do the mass shooter uh, exercises when we do those. So that's where it's students just play themselves, but you pick out a few so to get that's, a shot. So that's the one they do on campus as yep. well, that one? Yep. So how'd you get involved with that? Because again, that's, you know, a zoology professor, like Missouri Anatomy. Anatomy. Is it the anatomy part of it? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just talking for him. No, no, you're good. <laughs> um, I actually started out when they offered CERT, which is the Community Emergency Response Team Training, uh, which is offered by FEMA, uh, federal agents uh, for uh, essentially disasters. And uh, I received training in that and sort of got interested in helping out and essentially trying to get people trained for a, a scenario where, you know, they might really encounter uh, somebody who's hurt, that kind of thing. That sort of led me to the first Missouri Hope where apparently they recognized my abilities <laughs> to run a disaster lane because they put me on there. Uh, so I actually had to run the scenario and light the fires and hide the, hide the victims and that kind of thing. Uh, eventually though, I got interested in just rounding up victims and getting them wounds and stuff. And it sort of evolved from there. Cool. His skill was demonstrated and then they took him up on it. He yep. ran with it. One last question for you. 
What does it mean to you to be a Bearcat? You've been here 11 years. What makes Bearcats different? Um, I think Bearcats are different just because of their education. Um, this school offers something that a lot of schools don't, and that's a lot of hands-on, uh, intimate relationships with uh, their instructors. And, you know, you walk down the hall and typically know the names of most of the students, uh, at least once they hit, you know, second, third year. Um, if they make it through those first couple barriers, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, there are a couple barriers. Genzo. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's to be a Bearcat means to be a member of the Northwest community. And having been in a number of communities, uh, I can say that Northwest is definitely a unique community. It's it's a wonderful place to work and a wonderful place to teach. Awesome. That Excellent. was a great, like, final statement. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Adam. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. All right. Well, that will do it for another Behind the Bearcat, and we will talk to you next time.